and it is the men's 10,000 metres. Welcome to, to take gold and the men's 800 metres freestyle. and a historic 800 freestyle. Ledecky he wants to make the same mistake in his 4x100 medley relay. The 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games feature the most sports and events of any modern Olympics. That's a lot to manage. And while most of us watching or streaming the games have the luxury of focusing entirely on one game, match, race, or competition, the situation on the ground can be markedly different. What sometimes lies just out of frame is the controlled chaos that permeates certain Olympic events. But it's definitely chaotic. I mean, they're setting up hurdles. There's people crossing the track. There's officials everywhere. There's national anthems going on. I think it was the guy's hammer. And one guy threw it, and it hit one side of the cage and went up over the other side of the cage and went through the officials' table. you got to stay cool, calm, and collected above water and deal with maybe somebody grabbing your suit or a little bit of a kick or whatever it may be. So it just adds a really interesting element to the game. From NBC Sports, this is The Podium, a podcast about the Tokyo Olympic Games. Coming to you daily during the Games, we'll bring you the stories shaping the greatest athletic competition in all the world, held in extraordinary times. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. With swimming and gymnastic events all completed, Track and Field's Olympic Stadium now becomes the venue for some of the marquee events of any Olympic Games schedule. What may not be apparent is that 43 different gold medals are up for grabs in Tokyo, meaning their heats, their finals, and their medal ceremonies must take place in nine days within that 400-meter oval. The resulting overlaps can be quite a sports symphony, Grunts from hammer throwers often ring out as 400-meter hurdlers wait for the starting gun of perhaps the most important 50 seconds of their lives. Meanwhile, a winner's national anthem fills the air, sliced decisively by a javelin whooshing overhead. We spoke to athletes about this as they finished their events to understand how they tune out or tune into the chaos around them. Valerie Allman, congratulations. The gold in women's discus with a throw of nearly 70 meters. I mean, it requires an incredible harnessing of your power into one motion. How do you do it in a stadium with, with so much else going on? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely organized, but it's definitely chaotic. I mean, they're setting up hurdles. There's people crossing the track. There's officials everywhere. There's uh, national anthems going on. There's like stopping of the competition there's rain delays sometimes you know I mean it's it's all about rolling with the punches it's all about having respect for the other events you know to give athletes their space to to be able to be in the zone but it does just always weirdly work out perfectly together and I think that's the magic of track and field Another group of athletes who had just found some magic were the bronze medalists in the inaugural running of the 4x400 mixed relay in the Olympics. Elijah Godwin, Lena Irby, Taylor Manson, and Bryce Dedman, you've had a particularly interesting road to this medal, to say the least. First, the event with the number of athletes sharing the track and the baton passes. 
that always looks like a lot to manage. But on top of that, you were disqualified after winning your qualifying heat and then reinstated. Would you consider yourselves good at mastering chaos? I mean, theoretically, yes. But at the same time, though, it's all about staying focused. I mean, as long as you're focused, you'll be able to weave through it, you'll be all right. It's like what we did. It's as easy as that, right? I was watching today and I couldn't seem to focus on just one event, right? There was just so much energy and the excellence coming from different areas. Do you learn to tune out that noise? Is it hard? I think it's kind of just, we've we've ran track for so long. We've been in this sport. We kind of know what to expect each meet. Um, so it's kind of just adjusting, you know, it's nothing, nothing new, nothing different. Like you said, we kind of thrive in chaos. So it's just another day at the track for us. We did find one athlete who told us about not just any other day on the track. Cameron Rogers, you compete in hammer throw. We, we always talk about one event spilling onto another, right? Have you ever seen anything like that? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything too, too crazy. Thankfully, that sounds very dangerous. That's <laughs> not something you want to see for sure. Um, and I hope that I don't. Uh, I think at my first world uh, U-20 championships when I was or in 2016, so I was like 17 years old. I remember watching, I think it was the guy's hammer, and one guy threw it and it hit one side of the cage and went up over the other side of the cage and went through the officials table. I think that definitely like takes the cake. That's I think the craziest thing I've seen. It's so interesting because we don't know what's normal and what's not, right? For those of us who may not be as familiar with a track and field meet, can you list some of the things going on all at once? Definitely. People cheering, other events going on, (laughs) and uh, making sure you don't miss anything if the officials try and call your name too. So there can be a lot going on at once, but that's part of the excitement, I think staying focused and staying completely just situated on your one goal that's that's what helps me (laughs) I've had to work towards it so uh, every it's like every competition I go into is just another another learning moment in a way it's a good way to look at it right what about training during this past year and and the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic when I think about chaos for athletes I can't imagine a harder scenario, especially training alone, and then coming back into this sort of environment. You know, I've been very lucky this past year since I'm still in the NCAA. I'm at uh, University of California, Berkeley. And at the beginning of the year, we didn't know if we were going to have a season, you know, but we ended up having both our indoor and outdoor seasons. So I had a lot of opportunities and a lot of chances to practice being in that competition field and to have you know, to have spectators, to not have spectators, to, I think we've kind of been through everything uh, in the NCAA. And so it was a really good preparation, I think, coming here. So with everything going on all at once, what do you do to stay focused? I think the easiest thing, honestly, for me, and I've done it for years now to stay focused is to not watch anything else going on around me. Uh, So when I'm out there, you know, going to throw, going into my warm-ups, anything. I keep my eyes closed. I focus on what my cues are and honestly just letting the excitement simmer (laughs) and uh, just letting myself feel it all. But, you know, stay driven, stay, you know, my mind is there on that one goal. You know, I'm there to accomplish and achieve that one goal, to execute a plan that I have. And... That is my thinking going into every competition. 
Maggie Steffens, you captain this U.S. squad. You actually broke your nose earlier in the tournament. Would you say water polo is the most chaotic sport in aquatics? I'm not really sure because I've never done much else other than swimming in water polo in terms of aquatics, but I think what makes water polo fun is a bit of that, that chaos, the havoc, the movement of the ball. You know, I'm a big basketball fan. You think about the Golden State Warriors. Their best game is moving the ball and kind of creating a bit of chaos so that you can find the open player. So that chaos causes a bit of fun too. How physical was the game you just played? Definitely really physical, um, but that's the game of water polo. It's a super tough sport, but I think both teams did a really good job of um, taking that physicality and making it a flow and rhythm game, um, which for us is really important to be able to counterattack and move the ball, which is the most important part for our game. I'm listening to you and wondering what makes a good water polo player then. Can you define it? Yeah, I mean, for those who aren't that familiar with water polo, I, I honestly always describe it like a mix between you got basketball, soccer, hockey, handball, swimming, of course, and then that physicality part is a little bit of that wrestling, right, and that hockey. And what people don't see is there's a whole underwater game. You know, you've got the mental game, you've got the above water game that all the fans and TV, whoever can see, and then the underwater game where you got to stay cool, calm, and collected above water and deal with maybe somebody grabbing your suit or a little bit of a kick or whatever it may be. So it just adds a really interesting element to the game that makes it that much more fun to play. We saw some headcaps floating in the pool. Are those for protection like wrestlers or more for water management? It's for protection, yeah. And you can hear just fine out of these. People always ask, like, can you hear? It is very easy. Uh, these are to protect your ears. I'm learning so much from you. How did these caps come off in the first place? Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of times, especially for centers and two-mirror defenders, you gotta be able to be in set and kind of have somebody on your head a little bit. You think about basketball, you have the center man or center woman, and you've got somebody right on your back trying to make sure you don't score. And so a lot of times your cap might fall off uh, through that, or maybe someone pulls on your strings a little bit and it, it floats in the water from that. About the water, Rachel Fatal, you were imposing your presence out there. What does being physical in water polo mean to you? Um, you know, this great thing is that water is an amazing equalizer. So like we all get in the water and we're all about the same height with our head up. So it's all really about your legs and your arm length. Um, so uh, I'm very lucky so I can be shorter and play a sport against people that are six feet tall and it really doesn't make that much of a difference for me. This might be a weird question, but I'm so curious. Do you keep your eyes open in the water? My eyes are always open underwater. Um, I don't know if I can say that about like everyone. I think everyone has their own things, but I, I keep my eyes open underwater just because you can see a lot under there too. Like it's blurry, but you can see a lot of things too. Allie's Williams, also on the U.S. squad, we've been talking about what we could see from the stand. Sometimes we simply couldn't see you at all. What are you thinking of when you're being shoved underwater by a defensive player? Um, to be honest, we're always kind of thinking about like our positioning in the next play. So sometimes when you're underwater, you're not really thinking about like being under or above. You're thinking of your positioning and can I improve my positioning while I'm under here? So when I come up, I'm in a better spot to defend or in a better spot to get the ball. It's not, it's just kind of part of the game. It's part of the fluidity of the game. But um, to us, it's, we don't really think about being under versus <laughs> on top of the water. Shay LaRouche, you're on the receiving end of Team USA's physicality today. How can a team kind of impose themselves underwater? <laughs> there's, there's a lot of grabbing, a lot of 
you know, pushing off with uh, any body part you can. So like kicks, shins, uh, hands, arms, everything. So yeah, it's a whole nother game under there. I guess so. And you're at the top level of this chaotic game. How do you embrace all that's going on? I mean, every sport has their their chaos. I think there's a beauty in our sport in that because what some people see as chaos, you know, to us it is tactics and it's, uh, it's yeah, it's really beautiful for us. So it's complex. <laughs> Complexity doesn't always rhyme with beauty, but for track and field and water polo, Having a lot going on at once is part of the culture that makes these events so exciting. As we've heard, multiplying variables also multiplies the approaches athletes take to control chaos. Follow The Podium now on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to get automatic downloads. And tune into the networks of NBC to watch it all unfold. This podcast is presented by NordaTrack from iFit.